44. Isaiah 44. Amen. Praise God. Anybody know where I'm going? You say, well, I'm going to Isaiah 44. No, there's a, I don't know where we're going to go. I don't know how we'll end up. But I know at least uh, where to begin tonight. And uh, so we're all just believing together. But in uh, talking to God and spending time with uh, the Lord and specifically asking Him about these Wednesday nights in December, uh, this one in November and on into December, uh, I don't know fully what you know what direction we'll, we'll go the whole time, but at least for tonight and launching out. You know, in recent weeks, God has been refreshing me and bringing back to my remembrance something that the Spirit of God dealt with Pastor Nancy about uh, all the way back in 2008. In 2008, she relates that uh, she was uh, with Dr. Dufresne in Fredonia, New York, and uh, was in a meeting there, and doctor had ministered in the service that night, but for whatever reason, it's just kind of unusual. The service ended at a decent, you know, at an early hour, and then the fellowship in the back room, you know, you get a bunch of preachers together, it's rare that you're not leaving late uh, because ministers just soak up that good, that fellowship, you know. And uh, But she was back in her home uh, hotel room before 9, and she was ministering the next morning, so she said she's really glad about the uh, the thought and the idea of getting to get a good full night's sleep, you know, and uh, tried to go to sleep, could not go to sleep. A couple hours into just laying there, she said that uh, she she asked God, you know, if you're a good sleeper and you ought to be a good sleeper, and you can't go to sleep, you ought to check with God. He it, it, right? It might not be the devil; it might be God that is wanting to say something to you and get something over to you. And so she said. Spirit of God, do you have something that you want to say to me? And the presence of God, she said, came upon her in a strong way. And for two hours, the Holy Spirit dictated some things, and she wrote it down. And I asked Pastor if I could have a copy of what the Spirit of God said to her. And I was she, she shot it right back along with sermon notes. And I'm going to relate some of that to you tonight. Amen? But let's read this verse here that God dealt with me about. Uh, Isaiah 44, looking at verse number 3, uh, God says through the prophet Isaiah, For I will pour water upon him that is thirsty. Amen. God will pour water upon him that is thirsty and floods upon the dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon thy seed and my blessing upon your offspring. Amen. You know, God's not out to just bless you. But if you have children, God cares and He loves so much. And He's got a plan for our children. And He wants our lives to be the beneficiary of the outpouring of the Spirit. He wants to pour out of His Spirit upon our lives. But He wants to pour out of His Spirit on our children too. Amen. Well, look at verse the first phrase again in verse 3. It says, For I will pour water upon, does it say everyone? No, is there a qualifier? Amen. The qualifier is thirsty. Amen. Glory to God. Oh, we're not going there, but over in Matthew chapter 5, beginning with the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus began to say, uh, blessed is the man. Blessed is the man. And one of the blessings that he related is, he said, blessed is the one, blessed is the man who hungers and thirsts. Amen. Amen. 
for he shall for righteousness for he shall be filled notice that god has obligated himself to move to pour out to to satisfy the hunger and the thirst of those who are hungry and thirsty but he has nothing for the satisfied God has obligated himself to move supernaturally, to pour out on those that hunger for him, who long for him, who want him. And not just him, but his plan. Amen? And God's plan, as we're going to have related to us again, is that there be a move of the Spirit that would usher in a great harvest of souls and ultimately usher in the second coming of the Son of Man on this earth. Do you believe that? Amen. Well, I don't know about you, but see, my job, your job, is to make sure that we're thirsty. God is not going to make you thirsty. God is not the one that's going to create hunger in you. It is our job, church. It is our job, you, you know, you individually, and us, it's our job corporately to have a hunger and have a desire for God and for what He wants to do. And uh, the Lord's been talking to me about this and reminding me about this for a couple of weeks. You know, in 2004, I believe it was, I'd have to look back, that I was there in Jackson Street in my pastoral office on my knees praying. And it was there that God commissioned us to build this building and to relocate. And he said, of course, you know it. He said, I want you to relocate your ministry and get in position for a last day move of my spirit. See, though, there that is the divine reason. You know, he did not move us so that we could feel better about being in a different part of town. He had a very he has a very specific reason and purpose for why he told us to get into this regional location on a major thoroughfare, and he gave us land, and he had to move miraculously, amen, and for years to to get us here. But that is God's plan, amen? And uh, the the very essence of what I I believe God wants to emphasize tonight is we should not forget that as a congregation. This has to be related often for those that have been here in the church longer than me. Amen? But it's especially important for those that God has added to our church that they are able to hear these things and know these things. God did not. You may have thought that you know, you, you're coming here because you liked it. Well, we're glad you like it. You know, some people, they go to church for, they could decide to go, attend a church for all kinds of different reasons. And so many of those reasons don't match God's plan. You know, so many people pick the church for the singing or, or you know, or they don't go to the church for a music reason or they like the preacher or they like the Sunday school or they like the youth program or they like the location. They like that they don't have to go through 25 stoplights to get to where, you know, whatever. But that none of that, you may have, that's not the reason why God brought you here. Amen? God assigns everyone a shepherd. Sheep need a shepherd. That's foremost. And all the fundamental things that God wants His people to have and receive and to take part in in a local church. But in this church, in this church, the, uh, there is an assignment. Amen? 
and we have to unify and be refreshed and update ourselves about that assignment so that we're all reaching for the same thing, thinking the same way. Amen. So forgive me, this is not real long, but let me, and I'll stop and I'll go and as the Lord leads me here. But uh, this, is, this is what she said. She, she wrote down, you know, it's not any commentary. It's what the Spirit of God said to Pastor Nancy in 2008. And because she was in Fredonia, New York, it's known as the Fredonia Revelation. That's what she calls it. That's what I call it. This is the first thing the Spirit of God said to her. Not every congregation will cooperate with the deeper things of the Spirit. That's just the Spirit of God speaking truth, speaking reality. Not every congregation out there is interested in being poured on, being poured out upon, because that would upset their sense of dignity and the order of their service, right? And they, they don't want the so-called quote-unquote disorder, <laughs> Amen? That a pouring out of the Spirit might mean. Well, I can't speak for any other congregation. I, I pastor one church at this moment. Amen? And uh, notice what he said. Not every congregation will cooperate, cooperate with the deeper things of the Spirit, but those who hunger and thirst for it shall be filled. Amen? It's not me. I'm not doing anything. Uh, anyway, praise God. Well, do you see there? Uh, there's a couple things we could highlight. Number one, we must be willing to cooperate with the plan of God, with the plan of the Spirit. God has more for us, greater things. Amen? Manifestations, demonstrations, gifts of the Spirit, signs and wonders. Amen. All kinds of different types of meetings and directions and experiences with God that He wants this church to have. And not only that, but in it's not just about things that happen in the service, but in cooperating with the Spirit of God, there's an impact that we will have if we cooperate with the Holy Ghost on a deeper level than we would ever, ever have just by having greater numbers or greater finances or greater influence with the city. Amen? As we learn to cooperate with Him, not just individually in your own individual life, that's true also, but as a corporate body in prayer. Amen? The Spirit of God is looking for groups. He's looking for congregations. He's looking for some people who want to be used of Him in a wonderful way in prayer to advance God's plan, to see souls saved, to see, you know, things, uh, you know, that we've never seen, uh, you know, healed and mended and manifested, the lame to walk, the blind eye open, come on, the, 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 the addicted one, whole communities, God wants whole communities to change, to change from dark to light, amen. He, he wants to rain down prosperity on cities and, and communities. And, amen? And uh, there are natural things that we can do, but the greatest impact any congregation, and it's true for your life individually, will ever have is by attaining to a greater measure of depth of cooperation and yieldedness to the Holy Ghost. 
That's where our greatest impact will be. And the deeper, the more fully you and I as a church, we can cooperate with the Spirit of God, the more profound, deep, supernatural help will come to people's lives. For so many Christians, judge yourself, so many churches, it's just about, uh, I'm a hungdinger of a Christian because I came to church. I brought my body to church. Well, that's important. Some people don't get that figured out. But, but I'm just stirring us up, just endeavoring to speak, speak what God puts in my heart, right? We have to be careful about how we're defining success as a Christian. The fact that you came to church, wonderful. But that's pretty basic, isn't it? Some have gone on and they work in the church. And that's a deeply spiritual activity, the ministry of helps, the work of the ministry, the labor of the ministry. Many of us, we, we've tapped into that. If you're not tapped into that, why aren't you tapped into that flow? Amen. You need to be working and serving. And, and don't ever define that as just, just natural work. It's a real spiritual activity. Amen. But we, we should keep be constantly growing in spiritual things. Amen. So some of you, you've gotten into attendance flow. That's good. Some of you, you've gotten, you've added tithing and giving, and that's wonderful, and you're blessed for that, amen? And you're, you're, you're furthering the work of God. Some of you, you have a job in the church. You're, you're working and helping with the, the activity and taking care of the needs of the church family, facilitating a service, and that is wonderful. But when you get those three boxes checked, you ain't done as a Christian. You haven't graduated out of elementary school yet, Amen? But how interested are you in coming to prayer opportunities? Why don't we see you come from the lobby into corporate prayer and bring your supply of prayer to the service instead of just taking advantage of the coffee and the fellowship? Now, we provided that because we see the value in the fellowship. Amen? But there's a higher flow. Even if you took five minutes, even if you took ten minutes of that. Now, just this, I'm not mad at anybody. But judge yourself. Be honest with yourself. Many of you would just have to say, I'm not interested. I'm not interested in praying. I don't see the value in it. I'd rather sit out here and, and eat the breakfast burrito. See, one, now one of, the, one of the flows is more appealing to the flesh than the other flow. Part of growing as a believer, not just in this goal of uh, attaining to a greater place in the Spirit, but just part of developing your Christian life is to become more spiritual. And to become more spiritual... By definition, you have to be less natural. You have to be less carnal. And listen, all of our flesh is the same. All of our flesh is the same. At least to break over. Now, you can get past, you know, that flesh where you've given, you, you've put the flesh down 
and you've pressed into a prayer flow and now you've seen the anointing and you've seen the fruit and now you love it. You desire it. Amen. But the only way you get there is by stepping over the flesh, putting the flesh down, making yourself. And the thing is, um, you know, it's not about guilt tripping or anything like that, but just having an honest, sober evaluation. Why? Why? Am I not more interested in certain spiritual flows? Who's God going to pour his, himself out on? The thirsty. So we can give, let's turn to John chapter 6. We can give lip service all we want to be in a spirit-filled church. We can give lip service all we want to how we want to see God move. And how we want to see signs, wonders, and miracles. But let's just be honest. If, if more of us don't change, if we and I'm including me, if I don't do more than what I'm doing, if I don't gain ground in being less natural and more spiritual, then why would we ever expect to get any more than what we've already got? That is the definition of insanity, they tell me. And let's apply this, just, you know, bring it down to your life. Do you want God to do more? Do you want Him to use you in a greater way? Do more for you? Well, then, here's what you need to ask yourself. What changes are you willing to make? What changes are you willing to make to your current flow? Because if you just stay doing what you're at the level you're at, doing what you're doing right now, then you'll get that. And God's got nothing more for the satisfied. But he's obligated to do whatever's necessary for the dissatisfied, for the hungry, for the thirsty. Amen? And listen, I'm in this boat with you. I, my thirst dries up at times. Amen? I have to stir. Why do you think maybe God's been dealing with me about this for a couple of weeks? No, I'm not, I'm not near backslidden or anything like that, but I'm just telling you he's bringing this back to my remembrance. Amen. All right, John chapter 6, verse 63. God's really been emphasizing this scripture to me this afternoon. Look at what he said. Now, remember he told him, you know, you've got to eat my flesh and drink my blood, and that really freaked everybody out. And the disciples are asking about this later, and, and uh, in verse 63, Jesus says, It is the Spirit that quickens. It is the Spirit that quickens. The flesh, what does it do? The flesh profits nothing. Well, then, why are we so joined and loyal to the flesh then? Why are we so bound to the flesh, dominated by the flesh? Because the flesh likes it. Because it feels good. Hello? I said because it, because it feels good. You don't have to crucify your carnal nature. You just cater to it. But listen, if we spend all of our Christian life catering to the flesh... In the eyes of eternity, what profit will there be? The flesh 
profits nothing. In the eyes of eternity, it's only God and the Spirit, spiritual things that will matter. You're not going to stand before Jesus at the judgment seat and wish you got to sleep in a little extra. You're going to kick yourself in the boots of Heine for not doing more for God. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's read this again. It is the Spirit that quickens. The Amplified says it is the Spirit that gives life. Amen. It's the Spirit that gives life. But the flesh, I've got this somewhere in my notes here. Yeah, the Amplified says that the flesh conveys no benefit whatever. There is no profit in it. This applies across the board. But if you just bring your body to church, but you're not interested in being spiritual while you're at church, you're catering to the flesh and it's going to profit you nothing. It'll be as if you should have just stayed home. We're glad to count you on our attendance. But we will not have had the spiritual impact God wanted us to have. And it's not just my job as your pastor to be hungry for God. It's not just my job and my family's job to be thirsty for the, for the plan of God for this church. Because even if I was, and I'm not, but even if I was graded by the Holy Ghost as 100% perfect doing my part, we could still not arrive. Notice what the Spirit of God said. Did He say, you know, let's read it again. Not every congregation will cooperate with the deeper things of God. He did not say not every pastor. Now, we know that's true. A lot of pastors don't want. They don't want God. They don't want the move of God. They want their natural plan. They want their natural methods. And you think about what those natural methods have been in so much of the modern church world. They are things that appeal to the flesh. And it's so sad. So many people going to church have been told that what they're doing and seeing and hearing and experience and are experiencing is a move of God and the anointing, and it's not. It's flesh. Just because flesh gets energized, don't think that energized flesh is the anointing. Just because a song rolls through the body of Christ and becomes popular does not make it anointed. It does not mean it carries God's approval. And just because people are jumping up and down and breaking a sweat, that does not mean that God's in that. You know, just because people are moved to cry does not mean that what's happening is God. Most people would not know the Holy Ghost if he walked down the street with a red hat on. And most people, you know, the hype. And again, just, well, let me just read on here what she said because most people are not measuring successful church the way God measures successful church. Amen? But, you know, before I go on here, he said the congregation needs to cooperate. So you have your part, I have my part. Amen. 
So he said, not every congregation will cooperate with the deeper things of the Spirit, but those who hunger and thirst for it shall be filled. That's why Word and Spirit churches have not grown to the size the pastors would like. For my plan, now this is what the Spirit of God said to Pastor Nate, for my plan is that they be congregations that flow with the deeper things of God. And it is difficult to move a larger number of people into a deeper flow. Now, God's not sentencing us to having a small congregation. But He's saying getting bigger with numbers is not God's paramount thought or plan. So I'm telling you this at His direction so that we can recalibrate. Amen. You know, Pastor Nancy, she helped me. She said, uh, pastors do this, and I was doing it at times. Um, begin to question their call and question their obedience and faithfulness because they have empty seats. And she said, why does the unfaithfulness of a congregation say anything to a pastor about his call? I can't make people come. I can't, make, I can't make people come to Dr. Roberts. I, I can't make people come to special... I can't make people keep their pants on before they get married. I can't make you not watch porn. I can't make you live holy and clean. I can't make you be sweet to your spouse. My job is, is to obey God and do what He tells me to do and deliver the Word. And move with God best I know how. But that just helped me so much because, you know, if a, you, know you feel like a champ if the, if the seats are, you can't find an empty seat and you feel like a, a failure if, if, if half the, con half the auditorium is empty. But that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a measurement. That's not the measurement of the pastor necessarily. That's the, that could be the measurement of the unfaithfulness of people. And a lot of pastors uh, have abandoned the pursuit of the move of the Spirit for the sake of natural methods to gather people. And so, you know, a church that's got a lot of people is viewed and, and defined as anointed, a move of God, and successful. And it could just be a gathering of rebels and fugitives and carnal buckets. I'm not saying it is, but it could be. Again, I'm not the judge. Amen. So anyway, uh, so the Spirit of God went on and said, so I have brought those who want to move further into the things of God into these churches. So don't be so concerned about numbers. Rather be more interested in moving the congregation into a deeper place in God. So that's an instruction you know, she was giving to give to pastors. Amen? So I'm interested in moving this congregation into a deeper place in God. Are you interested in being moved into a deeper place in God? Amen. And I just believe that God's bringing this up so you could give him a fresh yes. Amen. Praise God. Oh, hallelujah, what to do, what to do. Glory to God. 
I'm going to skip a little paragraph here. She, the Spirit of God went on in a later place and said, Growth of numbers is not always enlargement. Depth is enlargement. That's how God defines it. Some have promoted, promoted numerical growth and sacrificed spiritual growth. Those who measure numbers as success have no vision to see the depth of the Spirit. Man does not see as God sees. Men who measure success as numbers are bound to the natural realm, and they will never move into the depth of the move of the Spirit. So I have to check myself as a pastor that I'm not measuring my success by it. And I stopped some years ago, and I've been set free. For years when I pastored here, I, before I left the building, I wanted a report of what the offering was and what the attendance numbers was. And all that did was move me. And I had to deal with that all afternoon. So I finally told them, I don't want to know. If you ask me how many people attend our church, I, don't, I can't tell you. I'll get, I do an annual report once a year. We're about to do it for our board, and, and then I'll find out. It's amazing how we've, we've grown incrementally and double-digit percentage-wise every year since I stopped doing that. Because I don't want to have that in my head. Down offering, big offering, down attendance, big attendance. I just want to, if I did, I can walk away. Did I obey God? Did God get his way as far as I had anything to say about it? And if I have that, if I, if I can walk away knowing at least for my part, I can't do your part. And you have a part. Amen. We have a part. What, God, what is God going to do in these four services coming up? Five, what is it, five, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night. Well, I have a part, you have a part, Dr. Roberts has a part. In the way God's going to get his full way and we'll get to the fullest measure is that we come hungry and thirsty for the move of the Spirit, for God to have his way. You know, one thing that you could do is when, if you've, if you've sensed this, when God starts to, you sense a, something beginning to happen in one of our services, don't kick against it internally. Don't let yourself go, oh, man, I brought my friend. <laughs> Don't let yourself. When God began, we have extended praise and worship. When am I going to get to sit down? You Don't let yourself go that way. Make yourself add to the flow participate in the flow make yourself tell your flesh show your flesh who's boss and your spirit will come alive and you will bring a supply to the service that is vital and that will take the service to a higher place amen over and over and over again there are these verses like this where Jesus said the spirit quickens it's the spirit that gives life the flesh profits nothing let me run them down for you. You could write the references down because I'm going to have to let you go here. Um, but, um, you know, in Ecclesiastes 1, 1 through 11, and I'm, I might read a li uh, not all of these, but, you know, if you read Ecclesiastes from the wrong perspective, you could get depressed. <laughs> right? And even the way it begins, vanity of vanities. All is vanity. Futility, futility. All of life. One translation I read today says, what is the meaning of life? What, what makes life even worth living? 
There's nothing new under the sun. The sun goes up, he said, and the sun goes down. The wind goes from north to south in a circuit. The rivers all flow into the sea, but the sea is never full. Over and over and over we go. People are born, people are grow, they do their thing, they die. They're not remembered for the good things or the bad things they do. And we all are in the same boat together. Isn't life wonderful? <laughs> and for 12 long chapters, he bemoans, you know, all, as the wisest person that had ever lived other than Jesus. And he didn't hold himself back from any experience evil or dark. He said, I gave myself to everything to find the value of life. So I was rich, but that didn't satisfy. I had, I had a thousand concubines at my beck and call, but that didn't satisfy. I, I never had an enemy to deal with all my life, but that didn't satisfy. I gave myself to every pleasure, but that didn't satisfy. And he sums up the whole book of Ecclesiastes in the, uh, in the 12th chapter, of course. And uh, this is how he summed it up. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God. Keep His commandments. For this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Now, the right perspective is you have to know that Solomon is writing from the natural fleshly standpoint. And if you're just going to evaluate life and live life from a fleshly natural standpoint, Vanity, vanity, all is vanity. I'm still young, but I'm 50 now, and, and I, I can start to see, okay, 20, I know how fast 10 years goes. Two more of those decades, I'll be 70. Another one, I'll be 80. The Lord tells is coming, I'll go by the way of the grave. I don't get to take any of it with me. For just from the natural perspective. And there's going to be a lot of things. That the sun's going to go up. The sun's going to go down. The grass is going to have to be mowed. The toilet's going to have to be cleaned. And we're, going to, we're going to pay bills. We're going to get to the end of it, and pfft, that's it. Hopefully somebody cared that you lived. This is all life from the natural. So it's futile to just cater to the flesh your whole life, even though your flesh says that's what it wants. But see, Solomon at the end looked past and said, the only thing that really matters is knowing God, following God, uh, following His plan, obeying His commandments, making your mark on this planet, and then stepping over into eternity. And you cannot do that and cater to your flesh, honey, all your life. Your flesh will ruin your life. My flesh will ruin my life. We've got to do, we all, I think, long, right? Or you wouldn't even be coming to these services. We long for God. We want, we have our spirit leaps, but it's our flesh that holds us back. Amen? And if this congregation is going to have the spiritual impact that God wants us to have as a church, all of us are going to have to make a decision. Amen? I mean a quality decision to keep growing, to keep progressing. You hadn't arrived yet. Stacy, you haven't arrived yet. I don't care that you get up at 4 a.m. and pray in the Holy Ghost for five hours before you cut, you know. She doesn't do that. But anyway, <laughs> you know, no, none of us have arrived yet. So we've got to keep reaching. We've got to keep pressing. And we've got to, uh, Wigglesworth said this, the only thing that I am satisfied with in my life is the level of dissatisfaction I have with where I'm at. you get that, Wigglesworth said, the only thing in my life that I'm satisfied with 
is the level of dissatisfaction I have with where I'm at. We're talking about a man, Scott told me, 23 people raised from the dead. Not satisfied. Because God has more. Write down Romans chapter 8. You can read it later in verse 5 and 6. But it says that those who live according to the flesh, right, they mind the things of the flesh, and that produces death. Jesus said the flesh prophets, nothing. But he says those that are of the Spirit, who are yielded to the Spirit, who mind the Spirit, that is life and peace. Life and peace. Write down Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3, verse 1, 2, and 3 says, Oh, you foolish Paducans. You have to find a different translation, but it says, Oh, foolish Paducans, who hath bewitched you? So you could get tricked that you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ was evidently set forth crucified among you. This only, verse 2, do I want to learn of you. Did you receive the Holy Ghost by the working of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? That word perfect means are we maturing and growing to perfection, spiritual maturity? We began in the Spirit. We were born again, born of the Spirit by faith in Him. Amen? And yet so many of us are trying to arrive at the life we want by fleshly means. Living our life, indulging the flesh. And we will never arrive. We will never arrive at full manhood, spiritual maturity, any other way but continuing to look to, cooperate with, and yield to the Spirit. Thank you, Pastor Chris. That's this good. You helped me tonight. Then in Galatians chapter 6, we know this one. In Galatians 6, verse 7 and 8, it says, Be not deceived. So notice the Spirit of God said through Paul, these Paducans, these Galatian Christians, they were tricked. And notice he said, Who? You know people that once walked with God and then are acting squirrely? There's a who in there somewhere. Moms and dads, when you're teenagers, when your children come home and they're acting out of character and things are different, there's a who in there somewhere. Someone has got their ear. It's our job, parents, not to let our children fall into a wrong crowd. Who hath bewitched you? And if you just listen to the hype of modern Christianity, you'll be bewitched. Because they're not measuring success the way God is. Most of them. So be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that will he also reap. Now notice this. For he that sows to his flesh. We, we all can do it, right? We sow to our flesh. What does the Bible say there? That we reap. Corruption. Corruption. But he that sows to the Spirit shall reap life everlasting. What does it mean to sow to the Spirit? When you 
turn off all the natural activity and you read your Bible, you're sowing to the Spirit. And you'll reap life after life. But if you just continue to never pick up your Bible and binge watch TV, you will reap of that corruption into your life. When you shut things off and you go and worship God, you are sowing to the Spirit. When you come to church, when you make yourself, even though it costs you, it costs your flesh to come to special meetings, doesn't it? These are work nights for most of us. Our children get up and go to school the next day. Your flesh might be tired. We'll tap into a divine grace. God done, he not called, we didn't call these meetings to wear you out. There's a refreshing that comes in God's presence you can't get on the couch. You cannot get it. You say, well, I'll watch it on live stream. It's like watching and observing and you receive a measure, but you all have been on live stream and you've been in the service and there's just a profound, profound difference. I don't even like to watch our own live stream. But being here is different. And we will... We will sow to the Spirit. So when you study, when you come to church, when you come to prayer meetings, when you're in the service and you're engaged and you're not on your social media while I'm preaching, and you're not walking around, hey, listen, as don't be, we already grieved the Spirit once with Reverend Joel when he was ministering by having too much people walking around, chatting in the lobby, doing a, hey, go potty. Empty your bladder and get in here and unless you have a reason to be moving around, don't be moving around. And don't do that to me. Don't do that to God. I mean, you hold it till you're about to explode so that you don't miss the Top Gun movie. But, you know, you're up five times to go to the bathroom in church. All of these things matter, that we reverence God, that we respect God, that we're interested we're engaged. It's not just I'm a hung dinger of a Christian because I brought my body to church. We have got to get beyond that. Now, I remember it was such a huge victory for me coming out of that frat party experience where I, uh, I, could, I made it to church because I was struggling with all my problems. Amen. But I'm not there today. Thank God we, we leave those places. We go on. So how many of us have arrived? None of us. How many of us have room for spiritual progress and growth? So I'm, I'm finished, but I am. I'm finished. But what is keeping you coasting? Not changing. The king has come. It's the same thing that I do it's flesh I'm so stirred I'm 50 and I'm just starting Summerall came back from the Philippines at 50 at God's direction he'd been over there at God's direction got 100,000 people born again but God said they're looking too much at you instead of me so I'm going to send you back to the United States. He went back to Terre Haute, Indiana or wherever, and, and uh, they wouldn't give him his ministry back. They wouldn't give him his church back. They actually mocked him, and they said, Summerall, you're 50, and you're finished. 
And he went outside to his car with nothing. He was at zero again in his ministry. Weeping in his car, he said, God, they said, I'm 50 and I'm finished. What do you say? He said, you haven't even begun. You have not even started. And his ministry from there went kaboom. So I'm 50, and I'm starting. Amen. And the greatest things for all of our lives are yet ahead of us. I'm honored to be your pastor. I'm honored to know you. I'm honored to be in the trenches with you in these last days. I love you. My wife loves you. Our family loves you. And God sent you here. But he did not send you here just to, you know, Use the facilities, drink some coffee, hear a sermon, say amen, and leave the same. You are a vital and necessary part to the plan of God, and the plan of God is for us to go deeper. So who's willing with me to go deeper? Stand up on your feet tonight, amen? And you mean it tonight, right? You're not just, I didn't talk you into a a good place, amen? When we leave here, we're taking our flesh with us. You know, that flesh is with us everywhere we go. And you're going to say, you know what, in the morning, I, I, Pastor, really, God bless me through Pastor. I'm going to get up and read my Bible before I go to work tomorrow. Yeah, well, your alarm's going to go off. Your flesh is going to want to go. Right? Some of you say, man, I'm going I'm to go home and pray in the Holy Ghost 15 minutes before I go to bed. Yeah, and your flesh is going to go, no, you went to church. That's enough. Worked all day. I'm tired. Listen, stretch. Do something your flesh does not want to do. Amen. Father, we love you tonight, and I thank you for...